do you know where you live? That's the question that motivates me when I create locally sourced episodes of Claire She Goes. Two people who are inspiring connection among local individuals here in Paris, Ontario are Cassie McDaniel and Mark Stablehurst. They are a couple, young professionals who moved here not too long ago. Together they own Jane and Jury, a blog celebrating local living. Cassie and Mark also host Paris Lectures. Paris Lectures is a local meetup series featuring people who share their knowledge and passions before a live audience. A couple of weeks ago I paid Cassie and Mark a visit. This is my first ever tag team interview. Cassie and Mark have busy lives and I'm grateful to them for taking time to sit down with me. Our discussion was very interesting. In the end, it left me with a lot to think about regarding the changing face of creative careers and small town life. I began with Mark when I asked him about how he and Cassie first got together. We met in England, uh, in London. We both worked together at an agency uh, just on the outskirts of London. Um, I was a developer at the time, an engineer, and Cassie was a graphic designer, a web designer. Mm -hmm. And we would work together on projects and we became fast friends just through our collaboration um, because we worked really well together as a as sort of a, as a team. Uh, but we also became friends after work. England, interesting, because they have a real... English work culture um, is different to North America. When we moved to Canada, I remember this being a big shock to me, that people don't nearly, they don't spend nearly as much time in the pub. Um, that's a real English, <laughs> it's a real English ritual, is that you would go with your workmates to the pub after, mm -hmm. after a day at the office, or even you know, midway through the day for lunchtime for a, a cheeky pint, a um, mm -hmm. bite to eat, a packet of crisps. And so Cass and I would, because we spent so much time together as colleagues, you know, we became friends first through, you know, work. And then, then we, you know, we started a relationship not too long after that. But how I got to England was, I, I was born in England, my parents are British, but I left when I was eight. Oh. So I was only there for sort of for the first eight years of my life. And then I moved to Luxembourg, which is where I grew up, which is this tiny country in between Belgium um, the Netherlands and um, uh, France and Germany. Okay. Yeah, actually not the Netherlands, but yeah, yeah very close, uh, you know, in that little region. Um, so I spent 10 years there, between 8 and 18, and uh, moved back to England for university to study computer science. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and then my first job was in London. So, yeah, I, and then Cassie got really homesick for the States, and we, at that time, it was 2008, it was right in the middle of the recession. Okay. So we had a hard time. Um, it was just a hard, it wasn't a good time to move to America. Uh, we lived in Florida for three months um, mm. in between England and, and Canada and worked our way up to Toronto. It's funny, we had Christmas in Orlando. Uh, it was sort of a lake, lakeside barbecue shorts and, and uh, shorts and t-shirt weather and we moved to Toronto January <laughs> yeah and it was it was minus 25 or it was oh a God. really cold winter and it was a huge shock to the system <laughs> yeah. and I said we didn't know anybody here we'd never met uh, well I met Canadians traveling but I'd never been to Canada and we didn't know anybody here 
Um, we, we just packed a suitcase, that's all we had, and moved up together. And we stayed in a youth hostel in Chinatown and started to look for places to live, started to look for jobs, no leads. Uh, so it was really just starting from, from nothing. It took, it took a little while, maybe a month, to find jobs. Uh, not too bad because Toronto was actually doing really well, I think mm -hmm. because Canada was sheltered from, a little more sheltered from the recession. I know out of the G8 countries it fared the best through that storm. Um, so there was actually quite, a, there was quite a lot of work in town. We just needed to look for it. Um, so we started around King and Spadina, around that, the agency mile, and we found, we found jobs. Um, I ended up working um, for an agency that I spent, oh, I don't know, I worked, for, I think for five years in the end, uh, for that one, that same one agency in Cass, moved around a lot more in and around Toronto, but we never had a hard time finding work, which was incredible. So we owe a debt of gratitude to Toronto for that. And we actually picked Toronto out of all the cities. Again, moving to Canada, we had no idea. We sort of looked at a map mm -hmm. and thought, you know, where can we move to? And we, we sort of, we'll start with the cities. Um, I quite like the sound of Montreal because Luxembourg is a French-speaking country. I was fluent in French when I'm at that time. Now I'm really rusty. But um, I thought, well, I'd love that because, you know, it appeals to, appeals to that side of me. But we, we basically looked on an agency award site, I think, to see you know, which cities were ranking the highest in terms of award-winning work, and Toronto was head and shoulders above the rest. We wanted to be on the East Coast too, um, for sure, just to be in the same time zone as Cass's family in Florida. So we, yeah, we picked Toronto just really because of an awards listing website and because, you know, it sounded nice, it was on the lake. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was it. So it was really starting from scratch. According to your bio on your blog, you, you and Katz have been in Paris yes. since 2014. That's right. What inspired you to move from Toronto to here? Paris. Yeah, good question. Um, it's probably the question we get asked most in town. Mm. Um, what are you doing here? Oh. I don't know why everybody... Yeah, I mean... But people are just... What are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I think part of it is... is um, I don't know, people just assume that that to sustain a creative career you need to be in a big uh, metropolis, I mean, a big city. Mm. Um, but I think that's changed. We were watching um, uh, the Steve Jobs film, I forget the name of its title now. Uh, it just came out last year, I think. Um, it's the Danny Boyle film. It's really interesting that, that it starts the film, there's, um, there's an interview with uh, an English... Um, science fiction writer, I think it's George, I forget, I don't know, this is not a great anecdote. <laughs> mm. he, he's talking about how his vision of computers and the future and what, how they can shape and change our environment and our world. And he talks about how, George C. Clarke, I think that's it. Okay. He, he explains that at, at some point we won't have to come into an office, we'll be able to work from the comforts of our own home. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of an idea, that, I mean, it's, it's sort of a, a vision of a utopia that we don't have to be shackled to a an office cubicle or you know we don't have to we don't have to do the nine to five grind and commute into a big city or now to a big city every day but i think it's almost people have that it's so built into the routine of people's lives now that i think it's often hard to think outside of it um but cast and i i've really been trying ever since we've been working really we've been trying to think of an alternative to to the office nine to five um, we all really like the idea of working from home. It's just always appealed to us, even before we had kids. Mm -hmm. So we, we knew we wanted to leave the city um, and because I grew up in the country 
Cass um, grew up in the suburbs and I think she just much prefers a quieter pace of life. So we, we decided we'll move out um, at the city. That was the first decision. And then where to was the next. Yes. Because we got to know Toronto and love Toronto, but we hadn't really explored a great deal of Ontario mm-hmm. uh, other than a few road trips here and there. So we started with a map um, and I think Cass's mom came with us and we just sort of headed north. We thought we tried a lot. I think Alora was, it might have been on a website, maybe a blog TO, best or most interesting small towns in Canada. Mm-hmm. We started up in Alora and Fergus and just spent the night in a little hotel there and got the scent, you know, started to look for houses mm-hmm. um, because we thought, well, it's far enough out of the city that it's beautiful and it's, you know, it's on a river. It just seemed to be really appealing, but we didn't, didn't quite connect with us. So we went back home and we just, it was very slow. I mean, we didn't pick Paris right off the bat. Um, it came to us really quite, we sort of followed the Grand River down and ended up kind of noticing, oh, you know, Paris is there. And we had been to Paris a few times before because an old friend of ours is from Paris. He introduced us to Toronto actually. Um, the first person we met in Canada really or got to become friends with. Um, so he, we thought, well, why not, why not Paris? So we, we, we drove out on one weekend again. It's funny because when you're in the city, that's another reason I think it's hard to imagine life outside of the city because you become quite entombed by it almost. We didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. So every time we went to come to look at houses or to, you know, to daydream about moving out, we'd have to go and rent a car and, you know, and find somewhere to park it overnight in downtown Toronto and worry mm-hmm. about getting in and out and the commute, and, I mean, sorry, in the traffic. So it's just, it's a, it's a bit of a struggle just to, to get outside the city's boundaries and imagine what it could be like. So we rented another car, we drove out to Paris, um, we parked up, walked around, it was beautiful, um, gorgeous summer. We had coffee at the Brown Dog over the river that really sold sold it for us, I think just, we loved it. And started looking at houses and realized very quickly that we could we could just afford something a lot more, you know, just, a lot more spacious and beautiful here out here than we could in the in the city um yeah it was it was jaw-dropping really mm-hmm. to see how much further our savings would stretch out here than they would in the city so i we found this house uh jane and jerry and we thought this is it this is our dream house we we'll want to move in straight away so we made an offer that day spent the night at the hotel and um just on the outskirts of paris whilst we negotiated on the price and then had had a, had it worked out the morning after and so it was kind of a surreal trip back into the city because it was the most expensive day of our lives obviously <laughs> <laughs> and then we had to work out okay well now we need to buy a car and now we need to work you know worry about jobs and it was impulsive which is mm-hmm. interesting because we're very cautious people by nature but something happened we just thought you know, we need to do this so we had Amelia she was six months old which oh. made it a lot a lot harder actually to just to do all of this logistically but we thought this is it we've got to do it now and it's just going to get harder and harder let's strike while the iron's hot and move out and so we bought it we rented a U-Haul and moved everything out and moved in it's a big again another big shift in our thinking because we thought oh, we're now putting down roots we're, mm-hmm. we're buying a house we want to live here we want to we want to make this a home so yeah, it's been it's been an interesting adjustment in terms of pace of life, and then just also, um, you know, uh, lifestyle. Yeah, mm-hmm. going from an urban 
an urban um, lifestyle to a country one um, living in a home and not in a rental house mm-hmm. so yeah yeah that's that's how we picked Paris was really just that we found a beautiful town outside of the city decided we'd have a country life and just see how we can make it work we wanted two girls whoops sorry we wanted our girls to I mean at the time mm-hmm. it was just Amelia but we wanted our children to grow up in the, in the countryside to have a backyard mm-hmm. to have uh, yeah to have friends in a neighborhood that not that you can't have that in the city but it just seems so much more accessible out here than it is in the city you know um, I mean you just have to look a little harder I think to find find it in the city but out here I think it's just right here in your lap mm-hmm. you know neighborhood we're in there's kids Halloween here is amazing there's kids running around everywhere and everything's just it's a great just great community here that it kind of came with a house mm. which is great yeah cool. yeah Normally when I think of creative professionals, mm-hmm. I think of people living and working in cities. Yes. And yet we are clearly outside of the GTA. Mm-hmm. How does being away from a major city affect your career? Um, or does it? Yeah, yeah. How does it, how does it affect it is a good question. Um, I think a part of it is that the city, I think it's that moving here work was very easy to come by um, in terms of you know we could find jobs pretty quickly and agencies in the city tend to be doing very well although it's not a sure thing again it's not guaranteed I think there's always a risk involved with anything in your career mm-hmm. um, you know you can choose to, to, to stay with an agency in the city because it's convenient and it's you know it's um, it's a guaranteed job and guaranteed um, uh, work because typically agencies in the city thrive but I know that's not always the case because we have had friends you know that have worked for agencies that have gone under because maybe they they didn't have a a diverse enough client portfolio and I know that for example just down the road from us a a smaller agency um, tanked because they all of their clients were in the automotive industry during the recession all of that work Mm -hmm. dried up and they just they couldn't pivot they couldn't find more work so, you know, it's not a sure thing. I don't think, I think that's, it's risk aversion. I think that's what keeps people in the city. I think people are just nervous about, uh, mm. will I find enough work? Will there be enough agency? You know, are there enough agencies out here to sustain, sustain me? I don't know. I, I think out here, there are great creative professionals. There are great agencies here. They're just a little more buried, smaller in scale. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think it's impossible to find work out here. Um, I know that Kitchener has a great deal of great great agencies there. London, um, Bramford, Cambridge. They're smaller cities, but you don't have to be in the GTA, I think, to find good work. Um, I think it depends on what you want to. At the beginning of our careers, certainly it was my case that I really wanted to do groundbreaking work award-winning work work that was incredibly polished Mm -hmm. that was very flashy Um, that's changed though since you know as I've grown as I've sort of matured Um, for me now it's more about meaningful work and how you can have a bigger impact Um, Coca-Cola doesn't need any I mean doesn't need my help they have plenty of people lined up who want to help you know promote their 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 product and sell more sugar hot sugar water but it's (laughs) I feel like I honestly feel like that's not really you they have the budget they have the budgets to really put 
to, to so that you can work on creative work that's incredibly sophisticated and that's time intensive and that they, they can they can pay to have you work on just a small tiny piece of one of their campaigns and polish it until it's you know it's the best piece of design you can you, you've done in your career or whatever but it, 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 the sad thing is that a lot of the work for agencies or you know um, it, it has such a short shelf life you really you break, break your back staying up mm-hmm. you know that's always been kind of RMO is that we will stay late in the office to make sure it's the best you know, the best we can make it and work weekends mm-hmm. and then it goes live and it dies three months later once, once the campaign expires mm-hmm. and I think it just you slowly realise that the boards don't matter at all and so you realise that the work is really just it may be beautiful but it, it might not be meaningful and that's sort of where I, where you know we've ended up it's it's more about forging meaningful relationships and creating design work that, that helps businesses so it tends to be that we're more attracted to smaller businesses where there's where design has a bigger opportunity for transformation for for growth for helping people you know shift and and evolve their ideas and reach bigger audiences and that's what we're attracted to and there's plenty of that work out here mm-hmm. there really is there may not be the same budgets you can't maybe be as ambitious in your creative you know pursuits but again, that suits the one-man band. That suits the small agency model. Cassie and I don't have a team of people to build out all the different aspects of a campaign. We can just work on certain parts of it. And so it tends to be smaller in scope, but that suits us. I think we like having the creative control over work and we mm-hmm. like being, you know, interfacing with the client and being a part of all the decision-making process. Uh, again, in an agency, a lot of that's buried under management. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I think people are confused maybe that they think, well, maybe the city would have more for us on offer, but it's been our experience that not really. The city is more limiting than out here. And it's just, maybe it's harder to find, but I think the scope, again, the scope is just much you know, broader and smaller, but broader that you can, you can do a lot more here uh, than you can working as just a, a cog in, in a big you know, machinery, agency machinery. So yeah, I like I like it out here a lot more than than the city for that reason. That yeah, it's a lot more yeah, um, a lot more open. You and Cassie are designers. Can you discuss some of the differences or parallels involved in the types of work that you do between Cassie and I? Yeah, yeah. sure. Well, my background, as I said earlier, was is in engineering. I studied computer science at university, which is a very technical, dry, mathematical course. It's logic, it's hardware, software systems. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't have a huge creative out, outlet. I mean, there are people who get a great deal of pleasure from writing software, and there is something very creative in that problem-solving solving world. Uh, you know, you start with a blank page, much like you do when you write or when you illustrate or when you design and you have to build a system in in your head that solves a specific problem and that's really very rewarding and I did enjoy it but I always felt like something was missing and I was always drawn to film and the cinema was my church growing up I would go at least twice a week um, Luxembourg has one of the largest film archives in the world they have um, an incredible cinematech right in the city center and I was lucky enough to live to live close enough to walk to it so I always adored cinema and thought that I might go to film school 
but I had sort of a, a natural interest in computers and film school seemed like a pretty risky road to take because I know it's a very competitive industry and my dad was a computer scientist. He said, well, you know, I think there would be a job there for you because he could sort of, he had the pulse of the industry and he could see that the web was, was looked like it would be kind of a, a next big, you know, um, economy. So we agreed, you know, we sort of talked about it over a pint one night and he said, uh, I think you should go. And I agree with him. I mean, almost re a little reluctantly, I really had this fantasy in my head that I was going to live in my parents' basement, work in a video store and be the next Tarantino or Kevin Smith. Mm -hmm. um, but I think my parents could see that. <laughs> so maybe, maybe a bit of a long shot. So instead, um, he said, why don't you go study computer science? It'll be your safety net. And then you can go to film school afterwards and then you'll always have a backup in, in computer science. So I went to study it, spent four years at university with a, you know, a co-op year in the middle there. By the end of it, there was no way I was going to do any more studying. I found the web in between finishing school at university and looking for a job. I had a summer with my parents where I was you know, working on a portfolio or looking for jobs. And I thought, what about the web? You know, I'd always been interested in, 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 in it. Mm -hmm. um, spent a lot of time on it but what about a job in, in that because I have some skills in programming that I could perhaps bring to the web and that was such a huge that was such a huge I mean it's such a great sort of point in my life to, when I realized that that because there's such a visual output to that, that that kind of engineering and that kind of programming you build code that displays something on a screen and that's all mm -hmm. I needed was just that little piece there an interface something graphical something that that I didn't understand the term design. I didn't really know what it meant at the time, but I could tell there was something rewarding in it. I understood film, cinema, and, and composition. Not, you know, not that I had really done a great many projects in film. I had a couple of little student projects with my friends over summer. We used to shoot little movies and things like that. But I'd, I had never thought of it as a career until that point. And so I was a Flash developer. Flash at the time was a really hot technology on the, on the mm. web. So that's what I trained myself in and got my first job in Flash. So I come from a lot more technical background than Cassie. Cassie does, it was a, has a graphic design background. She's a talented artist and very visual person. I'm a much more logical person, but I do love, I do love both sides. Um, I don't maybe have the hand, the hand skills. I'm not, a, I'm not great. I haven't done a lot of drawing or painting. I think I'd love to at some point in my life, but mm -hmm. it's still very raw and rough. Um, and the only way I can get away with drawing and I think that I'm, that I'm happy with is to make it very stylized because I don't have a sense of proportion or the anatomy, all of that stuff I've never studied. So it just comes out very childlike. <laughs> but in there are some ways I enjoy it because, you know, it's working inside constraints, much like design, because I don't have a, a pretty, I don't have a broad tool, tool, um, toolkit or, or skill set. So, yeah, I have a very technical background, but I've slowly transitioned over into the design world almost to the point now where I spend my time doing more design work than I do technical work I don't write code nearly as much anymore I do a lot more graphic design video photography um, so that's yeah that I've, I've really made a big mm -hmm. big switch whereas Cassie comes from a more traditional art background and she's her skill sets have evolved and she's become a very talented manager through her work at Mozilla so she's incredibly organized and just very uh, has a great mind for logistics that I don't so we we do have complementary skill sets but our technical skills or our practical skills have, have slowly sort of converged 
It used to be that shoe design it, I would build it. Okay. Now we design it together and maybe I'll build a little piece of it or maybe we'll look for someone else to collaborate with. We both enjoy that creative side of it a lot more um, than the technical side now. Are there any projects that you're working on that you'd like to share information and tell me a bit about? Oh, sure, absolutely. I mean, and I, I should definitely... Um, we were just talking about some work that I'm doing for uh, the Royal Carrot in town in Paris, which I'm excited about. But before we talk about that, I think maybe the reason we met and one of the reasons that, that Cass and I have really found it um, very rewarding to be in Paris or we found it easier to integrate here and mm-hmm. is... We have a couple of projects that we started six months into being in town. Paris Lectures is one, mm-hmm. and the other is Jane and Jerry. Paris Lectures we start we started very quickly, uh, and it's a speaker series that we host. Uh, we host one talk every month mm-hmm. here in downtown Paris. Um, it's really just supposed to be a, a meetup, a creative networking event. Although it's not business cards and handshakes, we try and stay away from that as much as possible. It's not in Toronto. You get a lot of agency meetups where it's there's a lot of one-upmanship. It's agencies trying to outdo each other and come and look at our beautiful offices. And it's beer and it's chips and it's, you know, it's a lot of showiness and yeah, contrived. it's a little contrived. Yeah, exactly. Networking, yeah, networking, networking, networking. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But it's also you know, we really try and make it just about, you know, we'll meet in a restaurant or in a bar or in a pub, hotel, wherever we can find space. Mm-hmm. We fill it with with good people and we have someone inspiring talk. And then if conversation breaks out afterwards, that's great, but we don't force it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, very, it's modeled after Creative Mornings, which is a speaker series that uh, Cassie helped with in Toronto. They have a Toronto chapter uh, that's worldwide, except Creative Mornings is a nine o'clock morning lecture where you have coffee and, and, uh, and croissants and you, you, uh, you, you get kind of a morning shot of inspiration uh we couldn't do that out here so many people work commute in their mornings mm-hmm. you know and we want to want to do something of our own it's heavily inspired by creative mornings but we add our own bent to it we have creative warm-up at the beginning of the talk um, and we have we play with the format we've had mm-hmm. you know 20 minute lectures but we've also had um uh, uh we had an event that you were a part of that was um uh, show and tell so we had you know 10 speakers 12 speakers speak for two minutes we we don't we don't want to keep it too rigid we like it to be fluid so there's Paris lectures that's one project that we hope to start again a second uh, a third season second season we took a little break uh, mm-hmm. after we had our, our second baby mm-hmm. but the other one is Jane and Jury which is a blog that we uh, we post uh, fairly regularly too which is sort of our experience a lifestyle blog is sort of what it what it, what it is in a nutshell it's a little bit about living in Brant County in Paris and our experience of it as newcomers um, and just some of the amazing people we meet here and some of the creative businesses and ideas. It's not limited to our industry at all. It's not artists and designers solely. Mm. If we find an interesting coffee shop, if we find a lovely antiques mall, if we if we like a walk by the river, we just share it. That's, we find that that's a great way to meet people, to connect with people. Um, and it's just also... We wanted to build a bit of a resource for other newcomers as Paris grows as a town, as the county um, becomes more populated. We just, that's something that we couldn't find when we moved here, was much of an online representation of, mm-hmm. of what it was to live here. Um, and we were frustrated by it, so we thought, why, why don't we build something to 
to a piece, you know, just something something that we that we'd be proud of, but also something to be helpful and useful. It's one of the things I love the most about design and mm-hmm. creativity and content, writing, podcasting, is that it's a resource at the end of the day. It's it's you feel like you're creating, you know, you work at it like an artisan, mm-hmm. um, but it it has a real, it serves a real purpose. That's what I love about design over art. Maybe that it's not art for art's sake. It's designed for, you know, for for the sake of many other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I wanted to thank you both so much because, well, like I figured, well, when I'm by myself, sometimes I think, oh, why not look up Paris, Ontario, and yeah. see what you can find. What do, because I know that I've I've done a little project from like when I was in university at one point. I, yeah. I did something, but I went to the library and so on. Um, but online, you type in Paris, Ontario, get a lot of real estate information. Yes. I'm like, yes, yes. real estate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. And yeah. sometimes restaurant stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's good. But what is it like to live, live here? Absolutely. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And there are, again, because we had the experience of moving to Toronto as mm-hmm. immigrants. We didn't know a soul. And we used the web a great deal. I mean, just to find out when the TTC, you know, the timetables of the TTC. So mm-hmm. there, are, there are some really some necessities. But there's also Blogtio. There are, you know, there are other great, you know, networks online. Yes. And and uh, lifestyle bloggers it's just such a great way to find out about a city you know and, um, Sean um, uh, the Murmur Project by Sean McAuliffe there's mm-hmm. and creative meetups we would go nearly every week to something Pecha Kucha mm-hmm. or creative mornings or you know just create or industry meetups because you explore the city that way yeah we love that's one of my favorite things about Toronto just jumping on the streetcar Picking a stop, getting off, and exploring, and learning, learning the city that way. I think we've always been drawn to that exploration. Mm-hmm. This is our first time kind of documenting it through a blog, but it's something we've been doing for a long time. Now we're just photographing it and writing about it. But uh, yeah, it's always been a part of our life is is getting out and exploring places and and getting to know people and yeah, um, yeah. So that's. Jane Jury and uh, Paris Lectures, and I was just mentioned Raw Carrot. We are also a design agency, so mm-hmm. we we're working on um, building a portfolio. We'd love to work more locally um, than to rely on Toronto connections or connections outside of, of of the county. So we're looking to partner with small businesses here in town, just mm-hmm. so that we that we have that we can help again contribute to the local economy in a meaningful way, an impactful way. So Raw Carrot is a not-for-profit in town. They make soup. It's that simple. And their staff, great soup, you know, mm-hmm. um, by hand. And their staff are incredible. Um, they A lot of them have a barrier of entry to work. Um, but they're incredible uh, people, wonderful workers. So I did this little project to profile each of the staff to help promote the Raw Carrot outside of its regular season. You know, they t- typically cook and uh, sell soup. You know, when it's a little cooler mm-hmm. during the summer they they slow down their production but they wanted some content some creative content to share with their facebook audience their social media audience mm-hmm. so uh this was just a small project really just a two-week project to create some videos um some photography and then help with some campaign strategy on how to promote their, their great organization in town so more of that work would be amazing mm-hmm. yeah yeah so the blog is isn't a we don't we don't have any uh, any revenue stream from it right now. We've talked about maybe advertising space or partnering with people um, to write pieces if it's a good fit for us. Mm-hmm. We're still working it out. Um, we love the blog because it 
the raw carrot came from a blog post we had done about their organization. Um, we tend to go out and profile b- businesses and, 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 and um, initiatives that we love. Mm-hmm. And what's nice is that if, we, if there is room outside of that um, for work, then it starts from such a great place of mutual respect and mutual um, appreciation. Appreciation, thank you. Yeah. Cassie, in addition to being Mozilla's design director, you founded Women in Tech. Can you tell me a bit about that organization? Yeah, sure. Um, Women in Tech is an interview series with uh, women who are doing interesting things in the technology field, so actually any, any STEM-related fields. Um, actually, Mark and I started that one together, too, oh, okay. um, with some friends in okay. Toronto. So originally, what was it? There was a, a conference, FITC, that gives women, 50 women, free tickets to the conference every year, but okay. their application process has gotten, uh, or had, when I was doing it, had gotten a little bit more... Um, not intense, but just you had to actually do something to get a ticket. So originally, um, I designed this app that was supposed to be kind of binders of women idea, <laughs> like a, like to make it easy for people to find female speakers mm-hmm. and female participants and judges and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was a directory that women could submit their profiles to or you could nominate women to get into. Um, so I designed this app. I never built it, but I released the designs Creative Commons, and I was like, "Here, world, you can take this and build it if you'd like." Mm-hmm. And uh, I had lots of people kind of get in touch with me and want to contribute to that project. And so I thought, well, why don't we just get all these people together? They all happen to be in Toronto, or most of them. And so that became um, Women in Tech. Because we, we thought, instead of building this app, um, why don't we interview women, see what their actual hardships might be, and if we can design something to solve real problems rather than just guessing. Mm-hmm. So we thought we would interview 50 women, not knowing how ambitious 50 people <laughs> actually was. Okay. Um, and we built a site to, to do that and you know trying to engage people through a, a little bit more interesting design at the time. Um, so we did like the parallax scrolling thing when it was just getting popular and um, and then just you know really concentrated on the storytelling editing aspect of it and then Mark actually built the site I designed it and then uh, the whole team um, has contributed to design and development over the years and and then now uh, our friends Yvonne and Cassie and a few other people are are still running with it so we've kind of stepped away from it but it's, it was a really cool project. I think at the time, no one else was doing something that, that was that um, high end, really, or high design. Um, mm-hmm. So I, th- I think it was just, it appeared at the right time and kind of grew in popularity. We have, I think, over 10,000 Twitter followers and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, it just got really popular really fast. So And that was kind of proving to ourselves as well that we could do something that mattered in the industry. You know, before we just worked on our client sites and that was it. Um, but building that together and making that actually come to life from nothing was mm-hmm. um, was a useful experience because it taught us that we could do more things like that. I spoke with Mark a bit about Jane and Jury and he uh-huh. was telling me about your blog and he also told me about the Paris lectures and I wanted to talk to you a bit about the future. Mm-hmm. What do you see in the future for Paris Lectures? Oh, it's a good question. Well, 
Right now we're on hiatus because we've just had a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've even thought, talked about maybe taking the summers off because there's so much else happening. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot of ideas. We actually have four or five people lined up to, to speak. Um, and they're just getting more and more high profile. Um, and we have, uh, you know, we've, we're kind of in touch with the Arlington, the new owners there who might let us get a different venue, which will help us grow the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's it so far. Like we might actually rope in more volunteers because it's so hard for us to keep going with everything else we have going on. So mm-hmm. we're thinking about that. Um, and then, um, maybe even like creating some kind of, um, products around Paris lectures that can help help it be more sustainable as well so um Mm -hmm. so cool like design artifacts that you know again like help help us have pride in where we come from and Mm -hmm. in our little town so we're thinking about doing that so we have tons of ideas and not enough time and so just need to prioritize things no this sounds wonderful because i'm I'm really curious and i thought i could see it expanding because yeah People want to get to know more about where mm-hmm. we live. Yeah, yeah. And and I think people really find it valuable in just connecting with each other. You know, it's, of course, people like to come and hear the speaker and get inspired, and it creates a wonderful atmosphere, but the real value is in making connections between other artists and entrepreneurs and, um, you know, writers and just people who are doing interesting things who this kind of event tends to attract, so... That's the real value in it, and I think if we can just keep that core solid, then the sky's the limit for all the peripherals, and we just need a kind of business plan to keep it going. So right now it's being wrapped into Jane and Jury's business plan, which is Mark's, um, really Mark's design and freelance work right now. Um, But hopefully as that grows and Paris Lecture can kind of grow with it, and um, yeah, so that's, that's sort of the loose plan right now. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. When is the next uh, Paris Lectures event going to happen? Oh, I don't know. I was hoping for July, probably late July. I don't have a date yet. Okay. But hoping for late July. Okay. I need to sort that out this week, actually. (laughs) Okay. Sure. Now regarding our hometown of Paris, Uh what is your favorite place in town? Oh, I have not thought about this. Gosh, for me, I just think the river is gorgeous. So any spot where you can just kind of look at the river, um, whether the Grand or the Nith, I think the um, Barker's Bush is this magical, untouched place that I hope never gets touched. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'll, yeah, I'll settle on Barker's Bush. I think that's a that's one of the best. It's one of the reasons we moved out from the city was to be closer to nature and. The mm-hmm. fact that that's kind of on our doorstep is, is a really undervalued, I think, but gorgeous part of Paris. Mark offered his take on my final questions. You know what I love doing is I love walking the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love where we are, and I love walking downtown. Downtown's my favorite part of Paris, for mm-hmm. sure. I think it's got such a great history, tons of character, lots of interesting local businesses, and now with the Wincy Mills um, and the Old Town Hall project, I feel like it's having a real rebuff and I'm excited to see where it's going. It's already made great strides, but I think it's only going to improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, that waterfront is incredible. The river view, I think more businesses should take advantage of it. There should be more restaurants with, with rooftop patios because it's absolutely stunning. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So downtown is by far my favorite part of Paris. And I also love Barker's Bush. That's kind of a hidden gem between those two. I don't think I need to be anywhere else. Now, in one word, give a stranger one reason that they should visit Paris. Could you elaborate, yeah, please? Yeah, sure. I think architecture, like the cobblestone buildings, mm-hmm. um, this neighborhood, the house, the houses here are are really gorgeous. And you know, I know it's kind of a, um, it's not well documented. Mm-hmm. You, you can't go on an architectural tour of Paris very mm-hmm. easily. There's no information online, or if there is, it's like kind of hard to browse. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cobblestone buildings here are, you know, one of the most unique sets of buildings in North America mm-hmm. and the um, the I don't know too much about architecture actually so I think if you were actually uh, you know knowledgeable about it you would find some really interesting artifacts like the the um, the Bucket Center and the mm-hmm. the old town hall as it was called before its purchase um, the Wincy Mills mm-hmm. like some of those old buildings that have been converted or are actually being used usefully mm-hmm. are really interesting and that would easily make a day trip for for people to come visit in one word yeah give a stranger one reason to come to paris oh it's so tough one word okay let's say um views i think vista oh vista's a bit grand how about um (laughs) yeah (laughs) sorry can I say the view? Can I use the, the view? Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> the view. I think the view. There aren't many places around Ontario, I'll expand a little, that have um, that have rivers and hills. I feel mm-hmm. like it's very flat. There's a lot of farmland. Yeah. I think Paris is unique because it has the convergence of those two mm-hmm. rivers. Mm-hmm. And it has has some elevation or some hills. It's nestled. It's in a yes. valley, almost a valley. And so I think that's a big part of it, the view. Thank you once again to my special guests, Cassie McDaniel and Mark Stablehurst. In our interview, we discussed Women in Tech. That site is available at womenintech.com. If you are in Paris, Ontario, or even curious about Paris and what it has to offer, check out Cassie and Mark's website. The URL is Jane, like the name Jane, and Jury, J-U-R-Y, dot com. Jane and Jury, of course, is also available via the same handle on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Once again, this is Claire, and this has been Claire She Goes. Take care.